Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Welcome all of you watching online. Stand with me if you would, please. And those of you on either side, we apologize. I think we blew an amp, not us, but anyway, that's a long story. So if you're not feeling it over there, and you're, I'll try to do my best. So uh, it's kind of a sound issue that we all hate if you're on stage. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We are concluding the series on miracles, and we're living in a day and age in a world that, quite frankly, is irreparable without the hand of God. I think we would all agree, and that we're battling principalities and powers and spirits of darkness. So how do we approach life? In a time of a lack of confidence, chaos, uh, we have to believe God. I feel like we're at that Red Sea place where we're going, you know, we got armies behind us and we got a sea in front of us, and uh, we know that God parts waters. We know that God makes that which seems impossible become possible. So today I want to finish this third part. The first week was expectation. Or Roberts used to say, expect a miracle, expect a miracle. And you have to keep that at the forefront of your mind because if you don't, your feelings will talk you out of what you know to be true. And feelings are not something that can be trusted. Faith is what we trust, not feelings. And so we have to recognize the Word of God is the Word of God. It's truth that stands forever. And uh, so the first week was expectation. The next one was participation, which means that we do have to step into that right place, a location where God wants to do that miracle. And uh, as I shared last week, I had one such moment when they were telling me I was going to have surgery again. And uh, I I felt like God said, if you'll just worship me and lift your hands toward heaven, I will heal your neck. Well, how many of you know when you come out of a a certain world that you're embarrassed by all of that, you don't want to do that? And what God was saying to me was, if you'll trust me and and you will position yourself uh, for a miracle and participate, well, long story short, I got the miracle. And you say, well, it doesn't all, you know, people say, well, you know, listen, if you're the one that got the miracle, you can argue with me all you want, but my experience trumps your knowledge. And so we have to realize that people will try to talk you out of believing that God still does these things today, but He does. And so today we're going to talk about appreciation. The application of all of these is appreciation. Psalm 100 says, Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And I think that last verse, through all generations, many people have isolated God to moments in time where God's character and God's performance changed for some unknown reason. But the Bible says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the character and nature of God never changes. And so what He did then passes through 
all generations. So we know that God is still in this business today. And so one thing I would encourage you to do, and I wrote this down, hang with people who will help you get to where you need to be to get what you need to get. People that will hold you accountable to do what you don't want to do in order to get what you want to get. In other words, if you're around people who are negative, it doesn't make them less, doesn't make them worse. It just means if you're around people and you talk about miracles, and there are Christians, and I use that word intentionally, there are Christians who believe in God and believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but they don't believe in the activity of God. They don't believe that He still works today. They don't believe in miracles today. They don't believe that prayer changes things. They just don't believe that. And you know, you can argue with them all you want to argue. You're probably not going to change their mind. So what you have to do is find people who will believe with you. And, and those are the people you talk to about what you're going through, and they will help get you through. Other people will just say, you know, it is what it is. No, it, it's going to be what I'm going to declare it to be. I'm not settling for what is. I'm settling for what is going to be. And so that's what it takes to get a miracle. And oftentimes we quit. You know, it may take a year, month, week, five years. I don't know how long it might take. But don't ever give up. I'm never going to, I'm never giving up. When I went to, a, I had an injury a couple of years ago. I was telling you earlier, I was paddle boarding and I, I tweaked my wrist and it was really hurt. And I thought, well, this is kind of weird. And so how many of you know that women are more intuitive than men? Yeah. And, and, and they're, they're le- they have less ego than men. Women, I'm propping you up right now. And so I injure myself, and Susan says, we're going to go have this x-rayed. Men don't get x-rays. We get duct tape. I thought, just give me some gray duct tape, and if I'm wearing black, I'll get black. They have all colors of duct tape now. She says, no, we're going we're to go get this x-rayed. So we go get it x-rayed, and I thought, I had nothing wrong because I've had a blessed life and never had any trouble. And the doctor comes back, and her exact words were, and it really, I just, I, it was like the A-bomb. She says, you know, you're bone on bone, which is arthritis. And I said, stop. And I've never told any because I don't have it. I just have bone on bone. So when we were singing earlier, I said, God, put fluid between those two bones. And, you know, it's not like I'm afraid, but it hurts. You know what I'm saying? It hurts. And I never talk about it, and I certainly don't tell Susan about it. She'll make me go under the knife. And so we're going to get that fixed. And so I'm like, yeah, God's going to fix it, okay? Now, some of you think that's crazy. I get it. But I'm declaring it. And it's been over two years. And I'm still alive, kicking, and doing everything that I have ever done. I'm, and I'm going to keep on. That's why they made Excedrin and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so what I do now is I don't ask God to heal it anymore. I thank Him that it is healed. Because the Bible says, by His stripes you were healed doesn't say you will be. It says you were. It's past tense. And so I just declare it. So now, in John chapter 11, here's where I get this. Because I think every time we make a statement about something, it's great to have a biblical foundation on which to build that statement and and the future that you're believing for. And so it says in uh, John chapter 11, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. 
Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, Lazarus, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Now, I want you to get this because the great challenge with religion is that I have to do something good. I have to be good for a certain period of time for God to do something on my behalf. How many of you know that God does miracles for the worst sinners? Now, this irritates religious people, but it's not our work, it's our faith if we believe. And so you could tell a sinner that has never served God a day in his life that God is this type of person, and if he believes, he is in the same position as you, a 30-year-old, crusty, I mean, mature Christian. You see, we, and even my mind every now and then says, you know, I'm not really sure that I've done good enough or been good enough to ask God for this miracle. But see, we, 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 we treat God like he's a human and, and not like he's a supernatural who looks beyond all of our human flaws and mistakes and says, I want to heal you more than you want to be healed. And I can heal you. I'm the same as today as I was when I healed and raised Lazarus from the dead. So it says, so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, listen to this, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. He doesn't say, now, now whisper to God, there are a bunch of people watching. It sure be nice if you made this happen right now. Oh, please, Daddy, don't fail me now. People are looking. They're looking on. Don't fail me now. No, I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. There was no, Jesus didn't do anything to touch him, did nothing. He just said, God, thank you that you heard me. Martha was in turmoil. Mary, they were all weeping and crying. And Jesus just strolls onto the scene. There should be a calm in our lives, no matter what's going on around us, because of the one who lives within us. That the stuff going on around us cannot compare with the power of heaven, the power of God, the power of Christ within us. Cannot compare. But we have to be willing to exercise faith. People are watching. There was a nun who had, for many years, wanted to go on missions and be a, a missionary among the Apache Indians. And so she's way out in the middle of nowhere, and she's driving. She's so excited. She's not even paying attention to anything, or car, or fuel, nothing. And she drives right by a gas station, and in less than a mile, her car dies. And she realizes, she looks down, she's out of gas. So she was okay. She said, I saw the station just a little ways back. So she walks back to the gas station, and she tells the attendant, the only one on, on the job that, that morning, and she says, I, I ran out of gas up the road, and, and I just need some, I need to see if you can give me a, a gas, uh, you know, a, a tank of gas and uh just so I can go put it in my car. And he said, well, I don't have anything. I don't have a container for it. 
He said, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm the only one here. He said, I, I, I can't leave, so let me go look in the shed in the back. And he goes and looks in the shed, and he finds a bedpan. She said, that, that's great. That'll do. So he goes. He fills up the bedpan. She carefully walks toward her car, gets to her car, and opens up her, 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 her lid and starts pouring it in. About that time, an 18-wheeler pulls up, and he's amazed as she's pouring out of a bedpan into a gas tank. And he looked at her and said, sister, I sure wish I had as much faith as you. And boy, that really applies today with fuel prices as high as they are. Sister, I'm glad. Wouldn't that be great? I'm telling you what, I'd drink more water and just go to my car every day, you know. <laughs> yes, he is. Luke chapter 17. As Jesus was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance because lepers were not allowed to approach uh, anybody who didn't have leprosy, and they called out in a loud, loud voice from a distance, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at the feet of Jesus and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Now, you guys know the story that Samaritans and Jews hated each other. They despised each other. And it's important to note that he's saying it was a Samaritan, not a Jew, that came back and really appreciated what Jesus had done. Now, it says that they, the others were healed but didn't give thanks. And so Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So there's a difference in being well and, and, and just having being cleansed and being well. That Greek or that, that word means whole. That, that this man came back and Jesus said, not only are you going to be cleansed, but you're going to be well. Many people get healed physically. But mentally and emotionally, they're not well. They're not whole. And you can imagine what kind of attitude and mindset these lepers might have had all these years that their mind is not renewed in that moment. All they know is that my body is cleansed. I no longer have leprosy. As I said when I talked about the guys, the four men that dropped the, the paralytic down through the roof, I talked about this last week, that that Jesus looked and said, your sins have been forgiven. In other words, the most important thing in our life is the soul of, of man, not the body. The body's going to, to decay. It's going to go away. But the soul of man, and Jesus was first addressing the greater need, which is you need to know you're forgiven. You need to know who I am. You need to appreciate who I am, not for my sake, but for your sake, because that's where wholeness comes. If you know who God is, you can take on anything outside if you have him on the inside. Now, every year about this time, most pastors will tell you it's a fight. After Easter, everybody thinks, well, I've done my deed. And it's a, it's a pathetic day in which we live. It's like, I, I went to church on Easter. And then for the next few weeks, we got proms, we got weddings, we got all these things. And pastors just cringe. I, every Sunday for about a month, I just fight this thing of going, you know what? Where is God in the priority list of mankind? 
This is the attitudes that we have to fight because we're believing God for the best in people, that God will do great things. But again, you have to position yourself. You're laying home in bed and saying, God, do something. God says faith without works is dead. Get up and go to church. Get up and position yourself, posture yourself for me to do something. That's what these lepers did. They're screaming out to Jesus. We're putting ourselves in a place for you to do something for us. Mary and Martha said, they're running to Jesus. They're begging, they're begging, if you will. We want a miracle. How bad do you want it? Brother Osteen used to say, how big is your want to? How great is your want to? What are you believing? What are you doing to put faith and works together? Miracles are greater, more far-reaching than the miracle itself. Now, if you're the one with leprosy, you may not get this, but what happens after the miracle is as important as the miracle itself. Because you once were sick, you were without hope, and now you show up to the next party, and everybody looks at you. Last year, you couldn't be here. Yeah, let me tell you my story. In other words, the miracle had a moment, but the miracle lives on through us when we tell the story of Jesus. That's how come your testimony never gets old. I've been telling my testimony since 1977 when I was five years old. You guys are quick with math. When I got born again, I've told that story. I've been telling that story now for a long time. Why? Because it's a miracle. My salvation, you might have been a good person and you just, you just barely needed to get saved. That's how we look at things with our human mind. You're so good, you just barely know you're as evil and corrupt as the worst person in the world. That encouraged you, didn't it? No, we all, it's a miracle that we can be saved. It's a miracle that any one of us have an opportunity to go to heaven. And never play that down. You say, well, God's never really, you know, I've served him my whole life. I gave my life to him. He's never really done anything spectacular for me. Yes, he has. You are born again. That's spectacular. That's supernatural. That is something that cannot be minimized in any world. You're saved. Now, some of y'all, and and me included, I've had some really supernatural miracles happen in my life. And I'm so extremely grateful for But I I can't explain them. I I can't explain why all of a sudden in one moment experience in a church where God just came in and evidently took all the calcium deposits off my spine that were restricting blood flow to my arms. And now all of a sudden I don't have my hands driving down the road. They don't go to sleep anymore. They don't go numb. And and you you can argue all you want. You say, well, you know, that just, because that's what religious people do. Oh, that just, you know, you really didn't have a problem. You ever been around people like that? They never want to give God credit for activity today. Well, you know what? If you don't want to give him credit, you don't have to, but good luck sitting on the sidelines watching everybody else get blessed. Because God moves by your faith, not by your doubt, not by your criticism, not by your you know, suspicion of something going. God wants to do things. Appreciation is vocal humility. When you appreciate someone, you are exercising humility. When you thank someone, and this is something that that is so very, very important, not just with God, but with other people. How often do you say thank you? I am really big on, on 
being appreciative. If, if, if Susan just says, hey, do you want something from the kitchen? And she brings it, I say, thank you. I appreciate it. Now, you say, well, you know, well she's your wife. She ought to do that. You ought to do it for her. And you all ought to just get along. And you need help. When you start being grateful and appreciative, it will change the atmosphere of your mind, your heart, and your home. When you get appreciative and you get grateful and you get verbally thankful, it's a sign of your humility that says, my life is better with you than without you. Everyone wants to hear it. When I do something for her, I want to hear thank you. You say, well, that's just the wrong. No, I'm doing it for her. You need to say thank you because it's going to help you. Gratitude is the heart's memory. Our days should be filled with gratitude and appreciation if our hearts are filled with awareness and humility. Miracles are nothing to scoff at. Matter of fact, I would say at the conclusion of today that maybe you go home and you write down some things, maybe one thing, that you say, you know, without God, this is just not going to happen. And I know that. There's nothing I can do to get to where I want to be without Him getting involved. The children of Israel could not get to the promised land. They had to get through the Red Sea, they had to get through the Jordan at flood stage, they had to get around Jericho, the, this powerful fortress that was the last place standing between them and the promise. Can you imagine just for a moment the Red Sea? I mean, this is their first encounter with, we got Egypt behind us, we got a Red Sea in front of us, what are we going to do? And in a moment, somebody in that tribe, that camp, decided we're going to believe God to do something supernatural or we're going to die. I mean, they had no choice. I mean, they had to believe, and, and, and the Red Sea parts. Now, let me tell you, when you get one Red Sea, the Jordan gets a lot easier. <laughs> All you need is one miracle. I have had one miracle beyond salvation that will forever remind me that God is a God of miracles. Actually, I've got more than that. But I'm telling you, there are several. As I say that, I'm thinking about the time I, I had no money. I'm going to college. I'm 20-some years old. My parents had no money to help me. And, and I knew I needed to graduate on time because how many of you know I needed to get out and get a J-O-B? And that wasn't Job. That was a job. And so there was one class called Luke Acts. It was a study of Luke Acts. It's a condensed summer course where you went every day for like, I don't remember how many weeks, and, and you got the full three-hour credit for that. So I show up at class, and I have no money. I have not paid. I, I enrolled, but I didn't pay. And so I show up, and, and there's a big class, and the professor's reading the names of everyone who had not paid. And so he's going down the list. And he didn't mention my name. Now, you got to understand, you know, in my past life, I would have said, dodged a bullet. But now I'm a Christian, right? So now I lift my hand. I say, you didn't mention my name. He said, well, I don't, your name's not on here. I said, but I haven't paid. <laughs> I'm almost frustrated going, but, but I want to be honest because, I, after all, I'm a theologian. I mean, it's not like I'm, I'm in the medical profession where you ought to be honest, but I'm preaching about Jesus and going, thank God, dodged the bullet. 
And it was an expensive class. I mean, to, at that time, for me, $500 was like 5000 And so what I did was I thought, I'm going to go to the business office and find out. I mean, literally, I'm trying to cost myself money. And I go, and I said, I, my name is Mark Crow. I, 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 I'm enrolled in Luke Acts, but Dr. Shelton read off the people who owed money. He didn't read my name off, but I haven't paid. They went, so well, let's go check it out. This is back when... You know, computer screens were this big like TVs, you know. It's like you have a 20-inch TV, but the cabinet's like 90-inch, you know. It's like you got this little screen. So this was not a day where everything was like pull it up real quick. She comes back and says, I don't know what to tell you, but we show you paid. I was getting actually frustrated going, but I haven't paid. Long story short, it was just a miracle. I, don't, I still to this day don't know who covered that. And, you know, back in my day, because the way we grew up, Anybody that helped you like that, you, you felt obligated to, to go to them and say, you know, what do I owe you? I'll pay you back. What do you think? That, that was my mindset because I didn't have a supernatural mindset. If you, don't, if you want something supernatural, you have to have a supernatural mindset. You cannot have a religious mindset that, that believes I have to do something to earn this. I don't know who paid to this day, but God knows, and he instructed somebody to do it, and I have no idea who. Now, see, that freaks religious people. I just, it just happens sometimes. That just happens. You can just let it happen all you want, but I'm going to give some glory to my God. So in Acts chapter 3, verse 9, it says, When all the people saw him walking, Jesus had the miracle had happened here, and they recognized him because of Peter and John, yada, 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 yada. And the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Remember, he went leaping and singing praising the Lord because Peter said, we don't have silver and gold, but such as we have, we give to you. So this guy rises up and begins to walk. That miracle not only benefited him, but everybody of that day was benefited by seeing this guy who begged every day get up, and he's walking and leaping and praising God. The challenge in our world today is we have sophisticated the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was never sophisticated in the Bible. He was always doing things. Jesus and the Holy Spirit was always doing things outside the religious lines. That's why the Pharisees and Sadducees were always angry with him, because Jesus was doing things that didn't make sense. Let me tell you something. Miracles still don't make sense. If you are trying to make sense of a miracle, you've missed it. A supernatural mind says, I don't know how this happened, but it did. And to God be the glory. We need miracles in a world that is filled with doubt and unbelief to believe that God is still alive today as he was back in Bible days. I'm, I'm trying to talk you into an attitude of miracles, a mindset of miracles that every day you get up and you believe God. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. You see, surveys suggest that 84% of people that you might invite to church would come if you just invited them. So I'm going to ask the question, when's the last time you invited somebody to church? 
You say, what's this have to do with miracles? They are waiting for a miracle. You are a vehicle to their miracle. Folks, I will never give up until I draw my last breath and then I'm waving bye-bye to this world. I'm a fighter, and I will always be a fighter. And when I look at our church world today, not just ours, but other churches, and, you know, I just look, and the devil would love to discourage. I look and say, I will beat you within an inch of your life. I don't want you to die. I want you to suffer pain. That sounds terrible, but I'm talking about the devil now. He doesn't deserve to die. I want that sucker to live to see the glory of God bouncing all over the world, around the globe, and there's not a thing he can do about it. That's what I want. You see, you're not fighting your spouse or your kids. That's not your fight. Your fight, you're, you're, you're not, your fight is against principalities, powers, and spirits of darkness, wickedness, and heavenly realms. That's your fight. If you're having trouble with your spouse, you see, look and say, you're not my problem. The devil's my problem. Now, he's in you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but realize the battles that we fight right now are not with each other, not with other people, but in spiritual arenas, that's our battle. And I'll tell you, the devil will discourage, 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 discourage. His ultimate hope is turn discouragement into defeat. That's his goal. And many people crater and give in, say, I used to go to church. I've heard people say, I used to go to church, but, but, but this and but that. I'm thinking, you know what? You need to be in church all the time. We all need to be in church. Now, obviously, you have to, you know, everybody takes vacations. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking. I'm talking about if you get up on Sunday morning, Sunday after Sunday, and go, ah, did we go to church? When did that ever, my mother never caught up and asked me if I wanted to go. My dad gave us a burr. We had a little thing. She put butch wax on our hair and took us out the door. <laughs> Want to go to church? We're going to church. And some of you at home, you need to get back in church. I'm not mad at you, but I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to experience on your couch, in your bed, what you're going to experience in the house. A visual of a changed life is the best sermon ever preached. The visual of a changed life, and you're one of those changed lives. Miracles are God's visual aids. If you will, it's a biblical Instagram. Why do you think people are always posting stuff? They want you to see their life. with, And some of them give glory to God, but some of them just want you to see things. I want you to see what God is doing. Morris Cirillo said, The demonstration of a miracle gave the platform on which 5,000 people gave their life to Christ. Just as the miracles were proof that Jesus was who he claimed to be, the church must prove that it belongs to God by showing the world manifestations of God's power. This is how the early Christians evangelized their world. They demonstrated the miracle-working power of God in their communities. When the lame man was healed in the temple, 5,000 new converts were added to the church. A great sermon's not a bad thing, but a great experience is a better thing. What are you expecting? And are you willing to participate to get that expectation 
to become a manifestation of what God wants to do in your life. God will use you. When I was living in Texas, a story of a lady in Houston driving down the highway, she felt pulled to HEB, which is a big grocery store there in Houston. They have a chain. And, and, and this will sound really bizarre, but she felt compelled to pull in, and it was like God said, now I want you to go stand on your head by the Coke machine in the entrance. And the lady's going, really? Long story short, she does it. One of the, the, the guys that carried out groceries, I don't know if they do that anymore, but was helping somebody out, saw her, long story short, comes over to her because it was so radical what she was doing, and she began to talk to him about Jesus and leads him to Christ. Now, you say, well, you know, it's a miracle for that young man that this woman said, this is what I need to do. God's instructed me to do this. It was a miracle. Now, I know that sounds bizarre, and I pray that none of you do that unless God really talks to you because you're just really strange. But I've heard of strange encounters like that, things that have happened that were so bizarre that that's what it took for this young man to believe there was a God. And she tells him the story about why she came to do what she did. And basically his response was he would have never believed if somebody had not done that radical thing. Sometimes people need to know how extreme God loves them. And sometimes they need to see how extremely you love them. One morning I was on my way to church. It's very cold. And I was living in Tulsa. And uh, I'm, I mean, it was freezing cold. And I'm on 21st Street, just about to turn on to 21st Street in Tulsa. And there was a, a man in a T-shirt, had blood all over it. He had no coat, jeans. And I felt like God said, I want you to pick him up. And I thought, yeah, this is probably not smart. But I did. And I got him in the car. And, and I said, where are you going? He told me. I said, I'm going to take you there. And I said, but, but I, you know, I'm, trying to, I'm kind of afraid. You know what I'm saying? The guy's got blood everywhere. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like he was just out on, working out and ex- jazzercising. Something had happened. So I got really straight with him, and, and I started talking to him about God. And, and he began to just tear up. He said, my, my grandmama would always talk to me about him. I said, now, here's what we're going to do. You're going to give your life to Jesus. I didn't ask him. I'm thinking, you've been beat up once. I think I got you right now. I think I can take you, thanks to the guy that just beat you up. But I prayed with him, gave him a coat, took him to where he went. What I'm saying is this. I don't think he expected that. I know I didn't expect that. But sometimes God will put you in a situation that seems a little bit out of balance or risky to do something unusual that might get somebody's attention that needs something unusual to believe there is a God. First Corinthians 2, 4, and 5. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Where is God's power today? We say the right things. We dress the right, right way. We do all these things. But the reality is the world is scared to death of God's power. And many churches are scared of God's power. I put God on the spot this morning. I'm going to do it again at 11. 
It's a little, and I don't know how many of you have ever spoken, but it's a little frightening when you say, okay, I want people to come up front, here's what I want you to do. And, and, and people are going, oh, this is one of those kinds of churches. I pray that we are one of those kinds of churches. Because when you get sick or you get ill or something's going on, you'll know that you can come to Mosaic and we're going to believe God for radical results and a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And trust me, the time will come, every one of us will need that. Matter of fact, we need it every day, but sometimes we need it even more. Now, I'm going to close with this, and it's a, it's a sad thought, but, but it's glorious all the same. Uh, some of you, and you may not be country music people, but Naomi Judd died at 76. And uh, it's kind of landed on me a little rough because I had just watched her on CMT and uh, yeah, I could tell something was seriously wrong. The way the cameras were trying to, they were trying to cover her weakness or what was going on. And, and it was terribly sad because I'd watched the judge for a long time. And, and religious people would say, well, you're a sinner. Well, so are you. But I'm one that's saved by grace. And I kind of liked her. You know what I'm saying? I just loved how she raised her daughters. And I'm not saying she was perfect. She wasn't saying she was perfect. But, you know, she lived a life and she was a believer. I, stu- I went and read. And that was my first thing. I Googled, was Naomi John a believer? <laughs> and so I read this article about her. And she was a Christian. And she said this. Your body hears everything your mind says. I thought, what a powerful quote. Your body hears everything your mind says. Not your words, your mind. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what's your mind saying? Because your body's hearing it. And they closed an interview with her and said, how do you pray? She said, this is how. Father, by whom all things are made, without whom nothing ever was, is right now or ever shall be. I know I have a legal binding contract with you. That was sealed with the blood of my Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, on his cruel cross at Calvary. So that I can freely at any time enter into the throne room and on bended knees seek mercy, guidance, and inner peace. What a beautiful prayer. We all have that same access today. We all have that same access. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your only son. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle we see in the Bible happened all the time. Throughout the ages, throughout the decades, the centuries, the millenniums, we've seen things fade. I pray, God, that you add color back into our Christian faith. That you would bring life back to those who have chosen just to die to their dreams and their hopes. Bring life. Breathe it, God, into them. Holy Spirit, breathe. Those who are sick, those who are broke, those who are busted, those who are disgusted, do a miracle today, God. Do a miracle. We believe that you're the same today as you were when you were doing Miracles such as parting the Red Sea, causing Jericho to collapse, opening the Jordan at flood stage, healing and cleansing the lepers, raising Lazarus from the dead, making Naaman's skin like baby's skin. 
Lord, some people just need their marriage healed. Some people need their children saved. Stop acting up. So many things, Lord, that we might not think are miracles, but anytime somebody changes, it is a miracle because we are so human, self-absorbed, self-consumed that when we yield our lives to you, it's that sign of humility and trust that we can be changed. Do it today, God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want all of us to pray this prayer. And those of you watching from home or wherever you are, pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I declare today I am saved and born again because of you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you're watching online or even in-house, I want you to text the word SAVE to 405-500-1310. 405-500-1310. Just text the word SAVED. This is the beginning of opening yourself up to the power of heaven, the power of God's Spirit. Do it right now. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.